For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to Casing the League on Believe Network. I am your host, Casey Hudson, bringing you top NHL headlines, hot topics, and most importantly, best bets throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. And things are heating up. The Panthers have a chance to sweep the freaking Carolina Hurricanes. Did you think they would be saying this? I didn't think so. And then big showdown going on tonight between the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights will fight to take that 3-0 lead, and the Dallas Stars will fight to make their appearance in the series. So let's get into it, starting with casing the league, some top headlines and some new information. We got a new GM over in Calgary, and I actually love this pick. And in any conversation that you've seen thus far regarding uh, Craig Conroy becoming the eighth general manager of the Calgary Flames, it's been very positive. First of all, he's a former player, played from 1994 to 2011. He was also the second leading scorer for the Flames in 2002 to 2003. He had a great versatility to his game, but more importantly, it's his character. It was his leadership that's been talked about the most, and that's translated from him being a player to now him being in the staffing position. So. First thing everybody said when this news broke today was the fact that he's got such top characteristics of being a respectable guy, a compassionate guy, and his press conference was even alluring. Like you, you couldn't help but be excited about what's to come with him being in position of GM of the Calgary Flames. As being a former player, we know that that has its perks in terms of being instinctual, being intuitive, connecting with players and doing the right things by them. He talked about Johnny Gaudreau and how he probably would have reevaluated that situation differently, not letting a player like that go. But having that kind of gumption and that passion and perspective to protect players and maintain them and try to get them what they deserve. It's only going to go so far for this Calgary Flames team that already started to do so well. The Flames will close out this NHL season standing in 15th place. They had 38 wins, 27 losses, 17 overtime situations. To be honest, their penalty kill was pretty stellar. If you look at the numbers, I think they sat at like an 82 plus percent and it was their power play that really struggled. So that's kind of where inconsistency started to unfold in their game. They have some solid two-way players. One of my favorites being Blake Coleman, somebody I watched closely with the Tampa Bay Lightning and missed him tremendously when he ended up getting traded. But Extremely versatile player, great two-way guy, picking up a couple more guys within that category that have a stronger two-way element to their game. A guy like Conroy would know that very closely. I think that he's a prime person to put this Calgary Flames team in a top 10 discussion, make the right moves happen, and get this team fighting a lot further than 15th place. We saw great strides out of them this past season, and I think the best is to come. Who knows? This might be the Canadian team that knows how to, I don't know, execute, seal the deal, get all the way through. It starts from the head, ladies and gentlemen. You have got to have 
the right front office people, the right character front office people so that you can make long, deep runs and make them count for something. So super excited for the Calgary Flames, really excited about this move, looking forward to hearing more, not only from Conroy, but you know what he's got in mind in this offseason to start setting this team up for success in the 2023-24 season. Now, moving along, some other news started to jump out today. We love a stadium series. And if you're a new hockey fan, this is something that you're going to want to watch to just get you that much more amped up about hockey and the NHL as a whole. It's just a different vibe with it being played outside, the originality of it. You see the guys kind of more lax. You see them going back to that just pure passion, love, fun of the game kind of hockey. And then you still see some great things in the midst of all of it. But when you take this thing outdoors, um, it just changes the frame of the game. So now we've got two very, very exciting stadium series. We've got the Rangers taking on the Islanders. And we've got the Devils taking on the Flyers. Now, the one thing I will say is that I would have been really, really excited to see the Rangers go down with the Devils after the way that, I don't know, that first round series played out. Of course, there was so much potential for the New York Rangers. They were, I mean, I thought they were probably going to make it to the conference final if I'm being transparent because you got Shesterkin who's crushing it between the pipes. You've got, you know, I thought they made great moves at the trade deadline. Tarasenko is just going to grow and thrive so well in that system. Um, I won't get too much into the Patrick Kane things, but either way, we saw the New York Rangers setting themselves up and, and reformulating their team so that they can contend and make a further run. And it just did not work out in their favor. The Devils made a huge comeback, obviously knocking them out. So I feel like that tension and that potential in that matchup would just make for a completely insane stadium series. But I digress. As we saw, Rangers, Islanders, which is still going to be pretty good. I mean, Sorokin and Sisterkin were the top five goaltenders in the league. Um, the New York Islanders, I don't know what it is particularly that needs to piece together over there. Bo Horvat was a huge huge like player for them to acquire and we saw that right out the gate once he gets more familiar with the system and builds more chemistry with line mates and that's the biggest thing you've got teams that don't really switch up their lines that much so that's where training camp obviously comes into mass play there but just seeing where they're going to start placing Horvat and who they're going to start putting together on the lines like the New York Islanders have so much potential and it's not even just because of Sorokin. It's because they've got guys that can score. Um, it's not becoming the Barzell show anymore where they're relying heavily on him to lift everybody up. Obviously injuries played a huge role into his ice time. And then you got Anders Lee, you got Brock Nelson, but you also got guys that are aging. So you got to get some young fresh legs in there that can pick up goals. And that's what made New York so exciting. The Rangers, obviously that kid line and the kid line was producing and doing so well. I mean, Hedl and, and the rest of the gang. And then even when they threw that, those lines in the blender, you saw these young guys still bringing sparks to the lines that they were thrown on. So I think that's still going to be a pretty awesome series between the Rangers and the Islanders and the, the devils, you know, they're just great to watch. Uh, they need to pick up obviously defensively, but still they did some great things and they obviously surprised a lot of people with making it to the second round of playoffs. And then you've got, the Flyers, who I think the Flyers have great players. I loved talking about Konecki this season, and I thought he deserved an all-star spot. That's a conversation for another day here on Casing the League. Let me know your thoughts, though. You know, what do you want to see from the Rangers-Islanders matchup? What do you want to see from the Devils-Flyers matchup? Are you stoked, as I am, that there are two stadium series? Because, again, these are games that are just have a whole different vibe to them. Now, moving on, but again, just grazing over this because I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of tired of the Toronto drama and more importantly, the Dubas drama. 
not that there's much drama behind this, but Kyle Dubas finally releases a statement. Um, in simple, it was just a very, you know, clear, classy, clean, simple statement, you know, no fault here, respectable conversations, da 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 da. Uh, no fingers pointed. Now, of course, some yeah. fans and I, I, I mean, I'm not a Maple Leaf fan, clearly. Um, so all I can do is look at the response from Maple Leaf fans who have followed this organization die hardwise, and they're not too happy about this statement. First of all, they feel like Dubis owed Shanahan a personal thank you within the statement, a personal, you know, thanks for giving me this opportunity, this start kind of deal. Um, but obviously after hearing Shanahan's statements, a lot of people feel like there was a lot more that went down between this conversation. And then once the Pittsburgh Penguins permission granted conversation struck up, then it seemed like there was so much more going on behind the scenes here. Um, blindsided talks that were already in play. I mean, the layers just keep unfolding. And obviously as the summer progresses, we will all learn more. All this to say that, you know, after that, Dubas, of course, not only felt the need to release a statement, but he had to because there's so much speculation revolving around that. And um, regardless of what comes to light between him and Shanahan, he's no longer the GM at the Maple Leaves. And the Maple Leaves sound like they're going to continue to try to clean up some work there. We talked about it yesterday on Casing League that there may even be a coaching change. Um and them getting like a complete fresh start as they try to protect their core four and see what guys who what guys contracts they can extend without putting themselves out. Um, I do have to correct myself because I think initially in episodes one and two of Casing the League, I kind of mentioned the fact that there wasn't much of a cap strain with the Maple Leaves, but then touching back on how they had to shuffle up their goaltending in order to hit cap space stuff. Um, that's probably something I clearly have to look further into, but you know, that was more so mentioned because of what it's going to cost to keep an Austin Matthews and some of the other guys there, not because they have all the room in the world to afford everybody. I don't think Dubas would have made the comment about probably not keeping the core four if that was um, a potential thing that they could even make happen. So we'll figure out what guys are probably better fits to keeping around. We're looking at, you know, four plus year extensions here, but I know top of the charts is going to be Austin Matthews. I'm hearing that Nylander might be on the chopping block to get traded out. Um, they're putting him in a in a Colorado Avalanche uniform. Ugh, that'd be terrifying. But we'll get into all of the trade and potential new homes for players once we get past the Stanley Cup playoff series. But uh, let me know your thoughts, as always, over at the Sports Case or Casing the League. You know, do you think there's more to it? Do you think that things went sour between Shanahan and Dubas, and that's why this all kind of unraveled as is? Or did it just come down to the fact that Dubas deserved a payday and they weren't willing to put the money there that needed to go to other players or a different qualified, different qualified GM. That's the least and last I'll say on all of that. Now, with all of those headlines aside, we've got the Florida Panthers, the rat attack, who now officially have taken a 3-0 series lead versus the Carolina Hurricanes. And that just goes back to me opening up casing the league saying, who would have thought, who would have thought that the Florida Panthers, now this reverse curse from the president's trophy is clearly standing true. Um, you could go see the teams and all their success because it was a post on Bleacher Report actually, but you know, it was the Tampa Bay Lightning the two years after I started covering that team. You saw them win the president's trophy, get swept, and then come back to make back-to-back -back runs. You saw Colorado Avalanche do it. Um, you saw the Capitals do it years further back. You've seen teams have these comebacks after the President Trophy curse had tainted them. And now we're seeing a potential, another potential team 
qualifying to make a run. You know, Panthers won the President's Trophy last year. Obviously, Tampa Bay Lightning swept them in such a beautiful form of fashion, if I do say so myself. And now they're just, they're crushing it. I feel like they have such an unorthodox approach to their game. They're so cool, calm, and collected. And if there's one thing that I've seen up close, at least in the time that I have covered hockey, it's the teams that have the ability to stay even kill that go the furthest and that make the biggest impact in their series rounds and find themselves lifting a Stanley Cup trophy at the end of it all. Um, that's always been the topic of conversation around the Tampa Bay Lightning with head coach John Cooper at the helm. And that's because coach Cooper is a very even kill guy. Um, he's very instinctual. He is a player's first kind of coach. And I think that that goes far now, while it hurts my soul to see Rod Brindamore's team get knocked out because I just love Rod Brindamore as a coach and a human being. Um, the, the Florida Panthers are outworking their opponent and they continue to do so yesterday, watching the game from top to bottom, you would have thought that Carolina finally had a fighting chance. I mean, Ajo is jamming up the net like crazy. I think his shots on goal were well over seven by the end of the night. And we're talking about a game that did not go into overtime finally. Um, and it's not even like it was this massive turnover mess. It's not like they were completely removed from the middle of the ice or, you know, unsuccessful in the neutral zone there wasn't these large elements that played into Carolina not picking up any goals not picking up any points it's just the fact that the Panthers seem to not tire they just stay on top of them and the biggest thing is Sergei Rabowski in between the pipes I mean he made monster saves last night one off the pad of his leg where it's just like if this was any other goalie and you hear a lot of teams say this depending on where their team is standing in the playoffs it's if it was any other goalie it would have gone in but it's true the saves that Rabowski is making right now if it was any other goalie it would have gone in he is the best goalie right now and he's He's having a career season, career postseason, but a career season as a whole because nobody would have saw this coming with the lowest seed entering playoffs. I mean, clawing their way, just barely making it in. And now more than likely heading to the Stanley Cup final and going to be great contenders for either or the Dallas Stores or the Vegas Golden Knights. I just called them the Dallas Stores. It's definitely the Dallas Stars. Excuse me. It has been such a day. Um, so anyway, first period. You really thought you saw a lot of good chances for the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, I will say this, penalties kind of started to rack up, unfortunately. And I don't know what the offside situation is when it comes to Carolina, but you guys got to clean it up. They're too disciplined to consistently get these offside calls. And I get it. Referee situations play a large part in it, but we can't sit here and just obsess over which ref is going to be refing the game and stuff. So um, for a very disciplined team, they found themselves in the box quite a bit. It's not like it was a saturated situation for the Florida Panthers to capitalize on, but their power play is much better at home. Obviously one more game at home coming up. Luckily Carolina has such a stellar penalty kill, but still just nothing swinging in their favor. They're not getting those lucky bounces and it, it just seemed like everyone was relying on Ajo. Now this takes me to my accountability moment. I had, Foss for picking up an anytime goal. Clearly that did not happen because Carolina scored zero goals last night. All this to say, early in the game, guys, he had such a chance off of one of Brett Burns' long shots, and I thought it was going to happen, and I got so excited, and then clearly it did not happen. But I will say this. In the first period, Boss probably had about three different scoring chances that I thought he was going to be able to capitalize on, and it just didn't pan out, but it didn't pan out for anybody. I mean, Jordan Saul was trying his 
hardest to make something happen, to get a momentum swing going. Aho, as I mentioned, jamming up the net, he was just a complete pest, staying as close and tight to the crease as possible to make chances happen was not going his way. Kakeniemi, I can't speak about him enough. He was so pissed off, clearly breaking his stick and uh, his teammate behind him. I didn't catch what number it was or who it was, but he was even terrified to get hit by that stick after because it's very frustrating to not only go down in the series zero to three, but to pick up zero goals in game three. Uh, clearly, the the end of this series is in sight, and that's a painful feeling when you've got one of the greatest defenses, one of the greatest coaches, and you showed the world that Regardless of being an injury-plagued roster, you guys still have guys that can put up points, and it's just not happening right now. Um, some other people that were obviously pretty stellar, Brent Burns, you can't say enough about him. I mean, he's con constantly pacing this team for shots on goal and trying to create chances for his team. But again, something's got to land. Now, something that was unfortunate in this viewing is the fact that Alexander Barkov went out early in the first period, um, looking like something in his arm. I don't like to speculate on injuries. It was in the arm region somewhere, maybe a shoulder, maybe an elbow after hitting the boards. And um, he never returned to the game. Now, when the press talked to Paul Maurice after the fact, he was saying that he doesn't he's hopeful and he doesn't he doesn't feel alarmed to Barkov returning for game four. But I guess that begs the bigger question. Should they just leave Barkov out of this? You know, you've got a 3-0 series lead um, depending on what the situation was that kept him out of the remainder of the game, which a lot of coaches just refer to it as a precautionary measure. You know, why not? Why irritate it depending on what it is? So I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Should Barkov play in game four or should you just rest him? Um, I know that he had that insane fake um to score in the night before what was it game two or two nights before in game two and it's funny too because coach Maurice was saying how like he's such a humble guy you don't really see him practicing much trick plays but clearly he's doing so as much as that is exciting I rather see it in the Stanley Cup final with him being on the healthier side we see these long-winded injury reports once these guys wrap up their seasons and it's just like Okay, if you can rest him, rest him. At least that's my opinion. I think the Panthers are doing quite well, and they managed just fine once he went out. He went out halfway through this, the first period, so they played majority of 60 minutes of hockey without Barkov. And that leaves room for other guys to step up. I mean, Matthew Kachuk had a lot of scoring chances last night as well. Um, that's where you see the unselfish part of Kachuk's game because in a couple and a handful of circumstances, he made that extra pass where I feel like he should have just taken the shot. Probably would have picked up that anytime goal I had him down for. Maybe that's me being selfish. Who knows? Um, as for other things that checked out, Sam Bennett continues his point streak. That was that was a bet that you can count on. As I mentioned, he's picked up a point in each game so far this series, and I feel like he'll continue to do so. Him and Reinhardt and Kachuk, I mean, they're just that they're that driver line. So if you're gonna make simple to the point, best bets, those are three guys that you're always going to want to take a look at. I can't even speak for the Kane side, seeing as how they're just being isolated to stay off the board. So we'll move on past that until it's time to talk about game four. Um, that was my accountability moment, by the way, because I know people like to jump on Twitter and be like, oh my God, you just got that so wrong. And it's like, I look at the numbers. I look at their statistics. I look at their consistency. I look at how well they perform against certain teams. And there are certain guys that just perform well against certain teams. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That's all. Now moving on to the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, this one's exciting and wayward and different in so many different ways. Um, Dallas Stars, I was not expecting them to get down 0-2 in the series. And here's the thing. They had game two. Uh, in the palm of their hand, realistically. And then the Vegas Golden Knights tie things up as the third period is closing out. And then it's Chandler Stevenson that gives the Golden Knights that victory, that game two win. So this is a really tight contest. Now, I do expect a little over two goals each or like right at two goals each. Hopefully not another overtime situation, but I would not be surprised. Um, the only thing I'll say here is that Oninger, I was expecting a tighter performance between the pipes. I know for his own personal performance, especially when it comes to the postseason, he's he I wasn't anticipating him letting up three plus goals. Uh, of course, there was moments with the Seattle Kraken where they were just letting off. So we have seen the inconsistency there. But regardless of that, I mean, he's. He's got good defensemen playing in front of him. He should be playing a much tighter game. And at home, we've seen him have some shutdown performances. So we'll see where that goes. But when we start talking about Western Conference best bets, cashing it, casing it, cutting it, we obviously like to talk about what the edges may be that each opponent may have. So the Stars, specifically, are 5-2 and two at home, for starters. And uh, four goals for goals four. <laughs> That was a tongue twister for me. Four goals for goals for 2.29 goals against. Uh, their power play at home is stellar. And we did see that versus the Seattle Kraken. It's at 32%. And then their PK is equivalently strong at 89.5%. Now, when it comes to the Golden Knights, their road record is actually 4-1. and one, So being away from home does not scare them. And uh, they're 7-3. and three against opponents um, when their opponent scores first. So we've seen their their comeback caliber. And this doesn't surprise me because we've talked about it on a few episodes here on Casing the League with Believe Network that this team has a handful plus of guys who have already lifted a Stanley Cup above their head. And that kind of experience, you cannot pay for. That's experience that is earned. And that's experience that gets you out of tight contest and over obstacles and adversity. And you're seeing that with this Vegas and Golden Knights team. Now, if there's a team that deserves to lift the cup, we've seen them get so close, but no cigar consistently over the, I mean, since the franchise started, you know, they were as exciting to watch as the Seattle Kraken originally. Um, they just have not been able to seal the deal. So it feels like it could potentially finally be their year. And to have accountability between the pipes, I mean, Aiden Hill has been a sweet surprise, I would say, to have the veteran presence that you have on this team, to have the the grit and the ability to overcome adversity within multiple players, uh, Mark Stone, Stevenson, Carlson, the list goes on and on and on. Marchesso, love watching him play, watched him since he was at Tampa Bay. So you're just seeing a team that has that extra layer, that extra level to get them through the conference finals and into a Stanley Cup. Now, with that said, that actually just all harps on the comeback ability because we've seen them come back and take over games and win games that didn't look winnable for them to start with. So even though they will be on the road, even though they will be in Dallas, Dallas has to be insufferable. Dallas has to command 40 to 60 minutes of hockey in order to make sure that this Dallas Stars team stays out of it. And both of these teams are strong second period teams, picking up most of their goals in the second period. 
as well as their shots. I mean, their shot volume in the second period is insane. And actually, the Vegas Golden Knights lead the Dallas Stars in shot volume. I think it's like 174 shots. So depending on who takes over that first period, maintaining their lead in the second and fighting through the third is going to be crucial, especially against a team that's 7-3 and three against an opponent that's leading after the first period. Um, something else to take and keep in mind is that the – Vegas Golden Knights are four and two when trailing after the first. The Dallas Stars are 0 for four when trailing after the first. So the Dallas Stars comeback ability is a little less resilient, is a little less um, resurgible. It's not as dominant. It's not as aggressive as the Vegas Golden Knights. So if they end up starting chasing the game, this is where the Vegas Golden Knights can kind of run with it. So they have a double-edged ability here because they can make these comebacks, but then they can also protect their leads. And to do what they did against, again, one of the top offensive teams in the NHL, I'm sure to a large extent they have a very big chip on their shoulder and a lot of confidence and a lot of composure themselves. And it's the common composed that are making those larger strides. Now, the Vegas Golden Knights outshoot their opponent 6-0, to while the Stars outshoot their opponent 5-3. to as we talked about, two very strong second period teams. So where do my best bets go tonight? Well, let's see. First and foremost, starting with the Dallas Stars, we're going to talk about Tyler Sagan. We mentioned that power play that the Dallas Stars have, especially at home, sitting at a 32%. And Tyler Sagan was that power play guy in the first round and in the second round. Now, Sagan has five goals, four assists, and nine points, but it's also his success in the faceoff circle sitting a little over 54%. Um, so take him for over just half a power play point at a plus 410. I was surprised the value came in at the 410, but again, that half a point is so low for a guy who is quite consistent and pretty hot on the power play, especially at home. Tyler Sagan loves a power play set up at home. Now, as for our next best bet, Jason Robertson. Over one and a half points at a plus 160. The thing with Robertson is that he's sitting top charts for the Dallas Stars with 11 assists. I mean, he's right underneath Rope Hens for starters. He's got 15 points and four goals. He's been a consistent clutch guy for this team and somebody else who obviously comes in hot when they're in front of a home crowd. But again, just to sit anywhere close to what Rope Hintz has produced this season, you're in great company and somebody that you can rely on to probably pick up some points. And I wouldn't be surprised if that comes with two assists on the night um, or vice versa. One goal, one assist, and it's Rope Hintz sitting in the assist column. But these are just two Swiss Army knives that are always in the action. Uh, heading over to the Vegas Golden Knights side, it's the new dad. That new dad energy is no joke. I saw it with Mikhail Sergachev for the Tampa Bay Lightning in round one of the playoffs. You just come back and you go to work differently. So take him for an anytime goal on the road at a plus 265. Will you cash it? Will you case it? Will you cut it? Um, Carlson sits top of the charts for the Vegas Golden Knights with seven goals, tying uh, Chandler Stevenson. And Stevenson is a game-time decision. Uh, whether or not he will play tonight. And if he does not end up in the lineup, Carlson's going to have to be one of those guys that steps up, obviously. Um, Stevenson was that clutch player that obviously brought the OT winner for the Vegas Golden Knights in game two. He's a little banged up. So whether he is or is not in the game, 
if he is in the game, you don't want to have all this pressure on him. You still have to alleviate him to make sure that he's not burning through that injury or making it worse than it is. And if he's not in the game, then clearly there's a role and she's to be filled. So William Carlson can be that guy. Um, I will mention this. Carlson, I think, had a two-goal night just the last game. So that new dad energy, remember it. Next, we're going to take a, a bit of a parlay here. We're going to piece together sp something special. Um, Alex Petrangelo, for starters, over just half a point for or just over half an assist at a plus 145 and then over two and a half block shots at a minus 120 for the block shots he's second on the team for block shots behind Alec Martinez so that's a shoe in for me and if they end up on any penalty kill situations it's Petrangelo that I know will help get the job done but he's also the second top guy for the Vegas Golden Knights in that assist column, sitting at eight assists in the postseason so far. So when those totals come in very low, I just think it's a, a steal to cash in on something like that because you've seen at least the consistency in picking up points over that half a point marker throughout this entire playoff series. We had Mason a couple games ago. Um, we've gotten, we had Martinook like crazy in the previous series. You've got uh, Mark Stone, obviously another top guy, him, and Eichel sit up 15 points each, I want to say. So when you see these low totals of just over half a point and you see players that are consistently wielding their stick to make something happen, it's you want to cash in on it. But of course, it's always up to you guys. Which of these bets will you cash in, case, or cut? If you are new to casing the league, cashing in means you love the bet. We see eye to eye. We're vibing. Take the bet. Case, it means you need to Google a little further, phone a friend, ask me about it on Twitter, at the sports case, whatever, or cut it. You don't like the bet and you're not going to go with it. And then we just move on. So let me know you guys' thoughts on that. But big game coming up tonight in Dallas as the Vegas Golden Knights try to take a 3-0 lead because that tends to be the theme right now in playoffs across the board, whether it's NHL or NBA. And we see what the case may be for Chandler Stevenson. Will he be able to play? Will he not be able to play? And just kind of navigating when to rest players and when not to, if you can see that Stanley Cup final so close, near and dear in your future. Be sure to follow over at the Sports Case as well as Casing the League. Always let me know your thoughts. Leave a review once you subscribe, either through Believe Network at Believe.com or Apple or Spotify, whatever your vibe is. And outside of that, guy, thank you so much for joining me here on Casing the League. I'm stoked to be back with you for a big game four to see if the Panthers have the potential to sweep the Carolina Hurricanes. And until next time, I'm Casey Hudson. Thanks for joining me on Casing the League. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.